Welcome to the Talk Show for Talkers on irishtalkers.com. Welcome, listeners. Welcome to a piece of voice. We're going to give you a piece of voice today. Voice in a shape. The shape of rhetoric. And we're going to give you a person to deliver it in the shape of Moira O'Brien. And this is the part we've been keeping back, holding back. The best piece of the dinner party. Moira O'Brien, what do you want to say to us today? about rhetoric. Do you, do you have any interest in rhetoric, Moira? Absolutely none, Paul. No, of course I have. Rhetoric is one of the, one of the keys to being able to be an inspirational speaker. Why? Why is this so? Well, a rhetorical device, and I'm quoting here from a website called ThoughtCo, a rhetorical device is a linguistic tool that employs a particular type of sentence structure or sound or pattern of meaning in order to evoke a particular reaction from an audience. Each rhetorical device is a distinct tool that can be used to construct an argument or make an existing argument more compelling. And isn't that what we try to do when we're speaking? We try to be more compelling. We try to get through to an audience, to get a reaction from an audience. So any time that you try to inform or persuade or argue with somebody, you are engaging in rhetoric. If you've ever had an emotional reaction to a speech or changed your mind about an issue after hearing a skilled debater's rebuttal, you've experienced the power of rhetoric. By developing a basic knowledge of rhetorical devices, you can improve your ability to process and convey information while also strengthening your persuasive skills. Now, the following is with thanks to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary and Florian Merck. Florian Merck is a German Toastmaster, lives in Barcelona, and he's a professional speaker and he's an inspirational speaker. He was the keynote speaker at one of our conferences, I think, Dublin. Uh, Not Dublin, Sheffield. Uh, Sheffield. You're in Sheffield. Uh, in yeah, Sheffield, District 71. November yeah. 2017, yeah. yeah. was it? 17 or 18. Anyway, yeah, Flor Florian is... is uh, yeah, Florian, yes, he, he and his uh, partner are the authors of the game Rhetoric, which, if you don't know, is an excellent game. It is the public speaker's game. Now... The list I have here, which I've constructed from these various sources, is 31 items. We're not going to get through 31 items today. I'm proposing to do a follow-up to this in a future episode, but today we'll just we'll dip into it and see how many we go through. Okay, alliteration. This is my favourite one. Alliteration, the repetition of words using initial consonant sounds in two or more neighbouring words or syllables. Wild and woolly, threatening thongs, veiny, vidi, vici, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled pepper. These are alliterations. Maura, I have a question about alliteration. Given what you've said about rhetoric, that it is the deliberate selection of a particular way of speaking in order to achieve a particularly desired result. Yes. Right? So yes. It's not messing around, it's deliberately. Now, why would a speaker pick a whole load of words that begin with the same sound? What effect 
is a speaker looking for if they say Peter Piper picked a peck of pickle peppers? Well, that particular that particular was merely an example. It's not a, not supposed to be a an inspirational bit, but. What these devices do is that they connect to something primeval in our brain, which we like. We don't know why we like it, but we do. It's something that is built into us. It's like one of my other favorite rhetorical devices, which is the triad, which actually is not on my list here, but it should be. The triad is things in threes. So I came, I saw, I conquered. A triplet. That is something which is embedded in nature. Nature works in a large number of things in threes. Now, I can't give you a huge number of examples because I haven't prepared for that one. But, but let, uh, let, me, look, let me take you back to what you just said a second ago. <laughs> I think you said, if I understood you accurately, that you use alliteration if you want to be loved as a speaker. In other words, as part of an effort to get the audience to like you, use alliteration. Now, there's alliteration between liking and alliteration, as you can, as you can catch. But if I say, Moira, that you're inspired, inventive and ideological. That would be a triad. And alliteration. Alliter an alliterative triad. Triads. I'm not interested in triads. I'm only interested in alliteration today. It can be triads or dyads or quadruplets. Quadruplets. Quadruplets, there's, anyway, come back to this thing. I'm grappling with why use alliteration? Why use any rhetorical device? Alliteration is one of the many devices that we can use in order to get better connection with our audience. Okay? It just accept it. It's something that works. Can I come in here, Myra? If Absolutely. You back, I'm not very forced here. When we spoke about that lovely quote from Maya Angelou, mm -hmm. that would be my idea of what alliteration is. They'll forget what you said. They'll forget how you looked. But they'll certainly not forget how you made them feel. Exactly. When you use rhetorical devices such as alliteration, that's when you touch people's hearts. Because exactly. you're putting the work in. It's not just words and a pen. It's something that's crafted. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ted, for that. Anatiplosis. There are some very strange words, by the way, in these. and I don't expect you to remember any of these names, but this is what it's called. Anadiplosis. Repetition of a prominent and usually the last word in one phrase or clause at the beginning of the next. So here are a few examples. Rely on his honour, honour such as his. It was a beautiful day. That day became a hallmark, a hallmark of happiness in my life. They, they happened twice in that sentence. You cannot buy passion in the supermarket. In a supermarket, you can only buy commodity goods. Yeah, that's lovely, actually. Yeah. It's, a lovely it's a simple one. It's a simple one, a very simple, forget the name, just it's simple to use. Anaphora, repetition of a word or expression at the beginning of successive phrases, clauses, sentences or verses, especially for rhetorical or poetical effect. We cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. Also a triad, you notice. No love will give up where hatred rules. No love will ever surrender to detestation. Antanaclasis, 
the repetition of a word or a phrase or a sentence in which the second occurrence utilizes a different and sometimes contrary meaning to the first. And I love this one because it does make you think. We must all hang together, or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. Think about it. You came here to hear me. Two completely different senses of the same word or the same sound. A herd of cattle was heard throughout the county. Okay, next one. Apophasis. The raising of an issue by claiming not to mention it. And we all see politicians doing this. It's a great one for them. We won't discuss his past crimes. <laughs> you've just raised the subject and you've said that he has crimes. Do you see the thing? It's You're using the device not to do something, but you're actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a yeah. little bit like when someone says, dear... We don't want to be critical, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what exactly you're that. saying is, yeah. oh, you want to be critical, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or yes, you could say, I, yeah, I don't want to be critical and leave it hanging. Aposiopesis, stopping abruptly and leaving a statement unfinished. An example of, we'd better leave this place or we'll, you should get your act together or we'll, yeah. Okay, that's all the A's. Caracresis. Caracresis. I've never heard this word before, but it's, it's quite nice. An extravagant, implied metaphor using words in an alien or unusual way. I will speak daggers to her. That's from Hamlet. To take arms against a sea of troubles. Also from Hamlet. She spoke AK-47 style without pausing at all. So it's using, yeah, using a word and changing the meaning of that word to suit what you're saying. Chiasmus, a figure of speech in which two or more clauses are related to each other through a reversal of structures. <laughs> Working hard... I because here, or are you here because I love you? Yeah, that's, they got it right. Well done, Ted. Working hard or hardly <laughs> working. What is learned unwillingly is gladly forgotten. By day, the frolic and the dance by night. That's from Samuel Johnson. And it has similarities to what we spoke earlier about antanoclasis. I think we have time for just one more. And uh, this is dysphemism. Dysphemism. The substitution of of a disagreeable, offensive or disparaging expression for an agreeable or an inoffensive one. For example, how do we refer to a cafe that is perhaps used for the lorry drivers, etc.? We don't call it a cafe or a diner. We call it a greasy spoon. That is dysphemism. And with that, I'm going to bring this segment to a close. And in fact, this week's podcast to a close. Thank you very much for bearing with us right the way through these four segments and we'll see you again this time next week or shall and I say Friday next week absolutely God that's very difficult to pronounce isn't it yeah. anyway from Moira from Ted and from Paul cheerio see you next, see you next week, week.
The Talk Show for Talkers is published every week in sections at 4pm every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Go to our website irishtalkers.com for more information.